And now, from the SPM Studios in Charlottesville, Virginia, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Well, thanks to the internet, it seems like we now live in little silos of individual realities. And the shared experiences that we had before this phenomenon no longer exist. And then along comes the coronavirus pandemic that has thrust us into a new shared experience that's not been felt since the 9-11 attacks or the Kennedy assassination. It's a common reality that we cannot escape. Now, this isn't another story about the pandemic, but it is about one example of how one very creative person has reacted to the changes that the pandemic has forced upon himself and his family and his business. This week, I had an opportunity to sit down with Shlomi Amiga from Toronto, Canada. He's a commercial photographer. He's an avid street photographer and a really good one. He's a husband and father of two young boys. Once the lockdown began, Shlomi saw his wedding photography work, which was a key slice of his income, vanish overnight. He had been thinking about phasing out the wedding side of his business for a while, but now the decision was made for him. The pandemic had accelerated the change that he was already contemplating. The extra time has given him the mental space to develop the studio side of his business and find new avenues to be creative. For example, Shlomi has applied his creativity to video by creating a new YouTube channel called Nerding Out on Photography. In his first segment about street photography composition, he uses a few examples of his own work to help the viewer create a mental picture of interesting visual elements to recognize on the street. He did a brilliant job of making an abstract concept real and memorable. And this is no small feat. You know, change is inevitable. And the pandemic has accelerated change by a factor of, I don't know, 10 times, 5 times, you name it. But sometimes, sudden change works out to be a good thing. It requires us to make difficult decisions and take action that we would normally avoid. And maybe the constraints that we've had to endure over the past nine months will result in some new creative ventures that we wouldn't otherwise have considered. So I hope you enjoy the conversation that I had with Shlomi Amiga. Now today I'm talking to Shlomi Amiga. If you've been following our magazine or our podcast, you, I'm sure you've heard heard of the guy. He's been with us uh, several times, and uh, he's a commercial photographer located in Toronto, Canada, Toronto, Ontario. Ontario. Uh, Shlomi's originally from Israel, now living in in sunny Toronto. So <laughs> thanks for being back on again, Shlomi. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's, it's great to be back here. Yeah, I, yeah. Good. Always good to talk to you. Always good to see you. We're recording this on Zoom so we can see each other. And uh, so just don't, don't mind that I'm going to be looking away a lot because you know, I'm going to look at my notes. <laughs> no, you know, you said Toronto is sunny. So, you know, you got me there. You <laughs> do whatever you want from this point on. 
Yeah, well, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, the day after Monday Night Football, and uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo played football up on Buffalo, and I, I, I was watching it snow. I don't know if you got any of that. It's probably lake effect, right? Yeah, no, we didn't get any of that, but it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty gray out here. <laughs> it's not as it's definitely not sunny, but Same it's here. sunny. It's you know, let's let's just channel those sunny vibes and just think that it's sunny. I'd send you some, but it's not sunny here today. It's raining, raining cats and dogs. Oh yeah. Yesterday a little bit different. It was seventy degrees. I was out riding my bicycle. Wonderful. Okay. That's great. I still have a, I still have a hard time getting used to that. You know, middle of December and I'm outside. Yeah, it's been a bit all over the place here too. But not yeah. complaining. You know, I'm not complaining about the warmer days. It's been it's been great to be, to be out. That's right. Take it. So, Shlomi, um, you know, we've been we've all been affected by this pandemic thing, and we're not going to dwell on the pandemic. But that's you know. It's affected all of our lives and how we work, particularly photographers, particularly photographers like Shlomi, who makes a living or a part of a good part of his living photographing weddings. And and by the way, I think some of the best street photographers I know are also wedding photographers because it's, it's so similar. But anyway, that went on the back burner for probably a year. Yeah, so, you know, you have to do other things. And so we just want to talk about, you know, just readjusting our lives, staying, staying creative. And so I just want to catch up with Shlomi to see what he's up to. He, he had sent me a uh, a video he made that I want to talk about, uh, an educational video about composition and street photography, which I, I really liked a lot. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. So anyway, so how has this thing affected basically your business? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been it's been pretty challenging. But the word that you said, the word adjustment, which I think was a leading word uh, throughout the last few months. And it's it was all about like, you know, putting yourself in survival mode and making the adjustments. You adjust today, you adjust the day after going in and out of lockdowns. You make more adjustments. You know, as someone working for himself, if you don't make adjustments, you just stay behind. Um, and you, unfortunately, like in the creative industry, it's, it's very hard to survive if you're not able to change um, the way you do things or what you do quickly and and just get used to the new reality. So it's been it's been challenging, but. Uh, you know, in a way, it's been also been it's it's also been a very exciting uh, time. Um, you mentioned I photograph weddings, um, and it's honestly something that you know I've been doing for so many years, about ten years now, and was starting to think about transitioning out of. And the pandemic, in a way, almost forced me to move in that direction of transitioning out of weddings and into doing uh, much more commercial work, basically basing all of my business on shooting commercial. Um, and yeah, the point you made about street photography and wedding photographers, it's, it's valid because it's just, it's, it's literally the same thing in, in, in a different attire almost, right? It's like getting used, like coming upon different situations, everything changes so fast. You never know what you're going to get. The range of emotions is all over the place. And you just observe, so it's very, very similar, um, but also, but also quite different uh, as well. But yeah, making adjustments and um, just making sure I keep myself positive and 
happy and my mental state is, you know, is where it needs to be and just taking it, uh, you know, day by day. And I think that's all you can do. Um, yeah. Talk about weddings again. I am curious about something because I mean, I've done a couple and uh, it is everything happens in the moment. But what does your does the, the fact that you did shoot weddings, does that help your street photography? Or does the fact that you're a street photographer make your wedding photography something a little bit different and appreciated by your clients? Yeah, it's a good, it's actually a good point. I think that everything you do in photography, you know, I, I never really stuck to one genre of photography uh, because I do enjoy doing something a little bit different, getting inspired by that and bringing everything from that, um, genre to another genre just kind of mixing things up you know you do one thing for a long time it's it's hard to keep up um you know at the same pace and the creativity so i find that just in general moving between different kind of photography um helps me helps me in general in my work and my approach but street photography and wedding absolutely it's you know the connections and the human interaction and just being around people um is is similar in both, but also different because during weddings, you're allowed, like you're supposed to be there. You're expected to be there. Street photography, you're not really expected to be there. You're doing things much, um, much more on the fly. So I feel like over the years that two of them really, they, they went hand in hand um, as I was, I was, as I was shooting more and more. I was, look, that's been a year and a half ago now, but uh, at a, commercial client that I've been doing work with for years out of Cleveland, when I lived in Cleveland, they, and they have an office in, uh, had one in uh, Washington, D.C. area, and then they had one, they have one in uh, around Norfolk, Virginia, and they hired me to, to do like this, these corporate events or like sales, big, you know, annual sales events. So and I went down, mostly grip and grin and group group type things. Yeah. And so I, I got all the shots that I needed and it, the, the light was so bad in these hotel, you know, these oh, hotels oh, yeah. were so bad. I had to yeah. use flash. Those are the best. Yeah. And so finally when I got done, I got everything I needed in the can. And so I, I cranked up the ISO on my camera. I used Fuji and I switched it to the, to Acros to just black and white. Cause I had this real high ISO, like 10,000. And oh, I just wow. ran around doing candid stuff, street style. And I, it was just for me, really. And I thought, well, okay, when I, it was time to send them the, the, uh, the photos to look at, I sent them those too. And they went crazy. Oh, they of loved course it. they did. Yeah, absolutely. Loved, I, I thought they were going to go, what the hell are you doing? What's with all these <laughs> greeny black and white? But they loved them. Yeah, you know, people, a lot of people over the years have approached me for wedding photography because of my street photography or maybe they found my wedding photography and said, Hey, we saw your street photography and it's, it's, it's really great. We want you to incorporate the same approach when you photograph our wedding. And, um, people do love often authenticity. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and they do enjoy that. So you made a good point. It's about the balance of photographing getting the shots that you need to get and then experimenting, taking the time to, you know, think out of the box and get something different. And more often than not, people end up really liking it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. 
because yeah, wedding photography, I don't know, 15 years ago or so was more formal or stilted, you know, get the group shots of the aunts and the uncles and, and you don't, especially I look back at mine, which were a long time ago. Yeah. Um, they're all pretty much the same, but it was also probably the limitations of the, of the tools of the time. That's true. That's you know, high ISO, the advancement in that, and, and just in general, digital photography and the movement, the move, the physical movement of the photographer is different than it was during weddings. Yeah. 15, 20 years ago. So I can see how that alone brings a lot of changes into the work from a visual point of view. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. That's true. Yeah. You're a lot more flexible. Cameras are smaller. Flexible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good to know that you're shooting Fuji. I, I don't think I knew that, but I'm, I'm a Fuji shooter too. Uh, yeah, I knew you, I knew you did. Yeah. That's uh, I sold all my Canon stuff nice. several years ago. I had, you know, a lot of nice L glass sold in about 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. So what do you, I mean, are you using all Fuji? I, I thought maybe you used something different for your commercial work. Nope. I use I have a Fuji X-T2, I have Fuji X-T4. Um, for street photography, I actually don't use these cameras. I, I have a Fuji X-100T and I have a Leica M6. Um, but yeah, I use them for all of my commercial gigs, whatever goes anywhere at any size for any kind of client. I've never looked back after the switch. Those cameras are just, they're, they're great. I love them. Uh, that, that's good. That's good to know. I, uh, the last, the last group, um, like webinar we did, I was talking to Shlomi about this before we started. Uh, it, uh, it wasn't planned that way, but all three, all three photographer guests were Fuji X photographers. I'm not surprised. Official Fuji X. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. There's something about the way they design those cameras that is a very intuitive and it makes the shooting experience just different. Yep. It's, it makes it so much more fun uh, to just be in it and do it and, and actually do it. Um, that people appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you not, not too long ago, I started being every now and then, you know, getting a case of gas gear, yeah, active, yeah. gear acquisition center. I it started, happens. I started thinking about getting the Q, the Leica Q. Oh yeah. Is that, is <laughs> that going to make me any better? no, I don't know. Maybe it will. Who knows? Well, you know, there's something to be said about shooting with a camera like that. And I have the X100T here. And the limitation of not being able to switch lenses yeah. is something that I do believe that it does make you a better photographer. Uh -huh. That kind of commitment. Now, you don't have to buy a $6,000 camera for that <laughs> or whatever, right. however much they cost. Um, but I, I think that the idea of the more limitations limitations you have, I, I do think you learn and become mm -hmm. better. Um, I remember I was at um, I was a bit, bit I was at a big photo festival in Israel a few years ago. Um, I forget the name of it. I think it's called Photo Israel. Beautiful, beautiful collection of of work by people from all over the world. In any case, I was walking around. I had my Leica M6 on me, and this guy approached me and said. I see you have a Leica camera. Um, why do you have it? Like, can you tell me why it's so good and people like it so much? 
And I just didn't know what to say because all I could say to him, you know, I turned to him and I said, well, I think it's really great because it doesn't really do much. There aren't any options to play around with. It's just three things that you set up and everything else you just have to think about. Everything else is in your head. So the limitation of options and the simplicity in those cameras sometimes does force you to uh, doesn't force you, but does improve you as a photographer. That's true. And yeah. he didn't expect the, that, by the way, he was, he was pretty disappointed by that answer. <laughs> <laughs> like, aren't they very expensive? I said, yeah. And he said, it still don't do much. I said, no, <laughs> no, it's up to you. Yeah. There's nothing to it. Yeah. But the, obviously the quality of the glass is, uh, you know, and you know what, you can do that with a, Fuji or Sony or whatever, too. Just stick to the basics and forget about all the other stuff. Yeah. You want to hear something funny? I, uh, I was on the hunt a few months ago for a, uh, I think it was a, a, a 64, 32 megabyte SD cards. Uh -huh. So I can throw it in the camera and have about 36 exposures. Yeah. So I, would say to, yeah I would say to myself, okay, I'm going out to shoot. I'm throwing this card into the camera and I'm taking... I'm not taking anything with me. That's it. So it's a little bit, if you know the Leica, um, let's say the Leica camera without the, without the screen, it's like yeah. sort of like, sort of like a, a limitation added by you. Um, yeah. Anyways, I enjoy that. Yep. Limitations. Yeah. Leica MD camera without the screen. It's uh, definitely a dream. Well, speaking of constraints. Yep. I mean, we're constrained like crazy right now, I guess. Um, well, even before we get into that, what what are the limitations like in Canada? You know, here in the U.S., we're so like into ourselves. We don't think about anybody else around the world and what they're going through, even if they're a neighbor, you know, 50 miles away across the border. Yeah. Um, things are bad here. Yes, COVID-wise, yeah. uh, I don't have to tell you that. Um, how is it there? Are you under like a super lockdown? That, or are things so good case-wise that you've got a lot more freedom? No, I think it's, I think it's somewhere in between. The, the numbers have grown over the last month or so, or month and a half in Canada. So things are tightening up back again, unfortunately. Um, and we are getting a bit you know, a few more restrictions from the government. So when it comes to um, indoor places, capacities and working in crowded environments, we are more restricted than we were two or three months ago because the number, the number, the numbers went up. Um, but still, I think they're looking for a way to restrict people with the minimum amount of damage to the industry and economy. Um, so, you know, they're not going back to the lockdown that they did in the beginning when nobody knew what to do. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, uh, you know, a new version of it that is ever so slightly more accommodating and, and you could get by a bit, a bit more easily um, if, you, if you think outside of the box and you find some solutions. What about schools? Are schools open? Are your kids going to school? Um, so, actually, I... Um, I live just outside of Toronto and uh, from, from, um, from a COVID perspective, we're outside of the, um, 
restriction, the, the higher restriction area. So where I live, suburb of Toronto called Oakville, um, oh. it's, uh, the schools are still open. Um, so my boys are going to school and daycare. Uh, in Toronto, I am not sure. I think that people are still sending their kids to school, but I don't want to, I don't want to say something. I'm not hundred percent. Okay. But for you. Okay. Yeah. So your kids are out of the house for a little while. Yeah. So that is the kind of freedom that, you know, we didn't have much of when yeah. everything started. So it's at this point, like, I'll just take, I'll just take whatever. Kids are out of the house. It's already a big win. You know, I love them and everything, but we also need to make a living. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, so how are you dealing with this restrictions just photographically? What are the, the constraints? You know, like you said, with the, with the yeah. X100. My studio is, my got, studio is in Toronto, by the way, just Bob, just so you, I, I don't live in Toronto. I live outside. Yeah. My studio is in Toronto. So within, when it comes to working in the city, I am. You're there. Yeah, I mean, I am experiencing the restrictions. So, yeah, I'm just trying to find ways um, to um, either create new work that is that is allowed to is allowed to be produced right now. Um, if it's shooting outside or the specific types of photography they allow now, um, I'm working a lot on client relationships. And just in general, winter time for me is a lot of business development. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm polishing stuff like my website, uh, portfolios, working on my archives. Um, and most recently, another creative adventure, which is, is that YouTube channel that I told you about. Um, just looking for different outlets to keep the juices flowing, maintaining creativity, uh, so I don't have to go into that COVID funk that a lot yeah. of us were in uh, back in March all the way to, I think, the summer. A lot of people were in, were in the dark. Yeah. So what are you doing with the YouTube channel? Yeah. So the YouTube channel is something that I've been thinking about for a long time now, but never had, uh, you know, never had either the time or, uh, you know, the ability to, to put it together. But it's a photo YouTube channel. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I'm trying, to I'm trying to tackle that with a bit of a different approach um, you know, YouTube is, is an incredible resource and I have learned so much over the years just by looking at other people's videos. Um, but specifically for what I'm going to put out there, it's going to be photo content with, um, with a focus on, um, you know, conversations and not so much technical. I don't want it to be technical because there are so many people out there that do it way better and it's, I'm just going to get bored. I'm, you know, technicality is great to have in your pocket, but it's not something that I want to spend an hour talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be much more sort of conceptual and, you know, dive into subjects that are not explored enough on online. Um, so the other day I did a composition breakdown video where I took street photos and I broke them down to pieces in terms of composition, explained some of the elements that were taken into consideration um, you know, I want to do book reviews. I want to share work by my fellow photographers, local people, you know, build community. Um, what else do I have a list here? Why don't we look at this? Um, and yeah, and the idea of knowledge sharing uh, is just something that I've been into for ever since I started in this profession. Uh, I teach at the university of Toronto 
and I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one session and sessions with people and mentoring. So it's almost like a natural progression in, in what I do on a daily basis, just a bit of a different, uh, just a different platform. And it's a creative outlet for me. And I just, I just really enjoy that stuff. Well, I really like Shlomi sent me uh, a link to his first video and it was on, uh, like you said, it was on on composition for the street, and it was very down to earth and straightforward. And you had great examples. Because a lot of times, even when people talk about composition, it's more abstract. Yeah, this is the exact opposite. And personally, I found it very helpful. You broke it into three chunks. Yeah. Know, so to make it very understand, it must be your university background doing that. And and then you had some great examples. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um, and it was funny. Yeah, you know, I I try to I want to keep it light. I want to keep it engaging. But I I actually my main goal is for people to actually take something away when they finish watching the video, or maybe they learn about something they can implement into their own process. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's um, it's uh, it's it's supposed to be informative and fun. Yeah, no, it's very informative. And, you know, from my perspective, I mean, I could see it and you, it's very well produced, which you want to get into in a second. Thank you. Um, but you explain the why behind it and what to look for. And that helps somebody who's learning or just somebody even who's experienced and wants to get a little bit better, what to actually look for and how to, how to, how to see that when you're out in the middle of chaos on the street. Yeah. And it's, and it's, um, it's all stuff that, you know, I, I also want to make sure that people don't think that it's like, it happens overnight to just be able to see those things. Uh, it's a question of practice and it's a question of experience, uh, being on the street, photographing different scenes, people, places, uh, whatever it is that comes at you. Um, so I do want to make sure that people know that, um, you put in the time and you slowly get better, but it doesn't happen overnight but it does pay off to, to practice as much as you can. And um, yeah, just, just in, in general, I, I want to make sure that there's value in those videos. And, and if you found it, you know, helpful is that's, I, I feel like I achieved my goal. So what did you, I mean, you have some really nice graphics in there uh, that you, you created. I mean, what'd you use? Like, what'd you record it with? Did yeah. Bring... What kind of equipment with the camera? Yeah. What, yeah. What, what, what... Yeah. Yeah. So I can give you the breakdown. Uh, this was shot on my Fuji X-T4. Um, and I, you know, did basic lighting here in my office, uh, make it, make it look very bright and light to match the, the tone of the conversation uh, and my voice and just in general, the voice of the channel. Um, and um and yeah, I just shot it on my camera with some lights and then I threw everything into Premiere Pro to cut it together. Uh, the music that I used uh, comes from a website called Artlist, which is you can get a membership mm -hmm. and that allows you to download uh, royalty-free music to use on your projects. It's such an incredible resource and the library is just gigantic. Yeah, um, Definitely recommend that for anyone who's creating content that requires sound and music. Um, yeah. And I have a little microphone here, um, that I use to just get a bit of a, you know, crisper, 
quality of sound. Um, but yeah, I just threw it on Premiere. The graphics are just like, you know, my very basic stuff that I, that I put together in Photoshop and brought it into Premiere and just timed it so it comes in, you know, just trying to make it, I don't want people to fall asleep during the video or. No, not at all. It was fun. So we got to make good. it versatile. Yeah. So making videos is a lot of work. Yes, sir. How long did it take you to make that? <laughs> that video specifically. I'm also just starting out, uh, not in filmmaking, but just in general in this kind of like type um, of recording. I think it took me like from the beginning to the end of it, you mean? That's yeah, I mean, it, well, actually, to put it together in Premiere. Yeah. Oh, to put it together in yeah. Premiere? I think it took me about, it took me about good um, three hours to put yeah, it together. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say. Yeah, because I also like, you know, I, I want, if for me, if I'm already putting in all the work, I want to make sure that the final result is, you know, matches my vision. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't slack when it comes to, you know, the, the last, the last stretch for me is, you know, is important to always. Yeah. And the first time you do something, you don't have the workflow down yet. So you have to decide yeah. how to do it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, right the, the number one thing that I'm getting used to right now is just, just being in front of the camera, which sounds funny, but it's, yeah, it's you got to learn how to do it. You know, you gotta, you gotta practice and all the little things that, you know, uh, make or break it. You gotta, you gotta practice that. I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Being in front of the camera, totally different. Well, you look good. You look good. So thanks, John. <laughs> Appreciate it, Bob. Yeah. So definitely we'll put a, I'd like to put the, to embed the video yeah. in the in the article so if you're just listening to this on the pad on your uh you know podcast player of choice make sure you go to the website and, and check out the video and yeah it's and not can, long, I, can i just add good. something bob too um since already we're talking to a community here this is going to be the composition breakdown and a few more concepts in, in the channel there, it's going to be on, an ongoing series of of videos so you know I, I hope that, you know, if somebody's interested, I can always take um, subscribers' photos and do composition breakdown mm -hmm. and submit images. So if anyone is interested and you can hear me now, feel free to reach out and with your favorite photos if you want to if you wanna be part of one of those videos and I'll, I'll get back to you and we'll, we'll get it done. Yeah, that's good. Well, and yeah, we'll it can be fun. In the article too. So get ready for a flood of of images oh you think so i hope yeah <laughs> yeah you know that's what i always tell the people that i teach especially at the universities there is literally nothing that will improve you as a photographer more than peer critique yep just looking at people's work what they did the kind of decisions that they made and why hear a little bit about um their choices and just that stuff sticks with you you know, that's right. Yeah. Trying to do this in your own little, little bubble without input from other people is um, you'll go a lot slower. And yeah. Yeah. It's hard to look at things, um, you know, get out of your head. Like they say, it's stuff. Yeah. It's stuff. yeah you really do. Um, sometimes we get photos submitted that just, you know, don't cut the mustard to be published, but I hear a lot. You just don't know how I felt when I when I clicked the shutter. Well, yeah, yeah. I, 
maybe you did, but you didn't. Well, if it didn't, if, you know, you didn't yeah, if it didn't translate into the, the yes, I, I I agree, and that's and that's I see that a lot too. But it's it's up to it's up to people who are experienced enough and knowledgeable enough. I feel uh, certain responsibility sometimes to say to those people, listen, that's great to know about the story, and I can see why after hearing what you have to say, this image means a lot to you but you are talking to an audience. Sometimes you talk to them with, wor- with words. Sometimes you talk to them with visuals. If you cannot deliver the message and it only lives inside your head, uh, you're not, you're not uh, making the right choices. You know, it's not, it, it can't be that successful. Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tough truth. I'll tell you a little story if we have time. Um, I went over to, I like to reach out to people in the industry every once in a while and go chat to them. So a couple of years ago, I went, I set an appointment with the, um, with the photo editor of, of um, um, what was it? Getty images? Which one was it? Wow. Yeah. Something like somebody that. big. Yeah. Somebody big. Um, so anyways, I, I went to see them in Toronto. I know it wasn't Getty. It was something else. But any, in any case, big, big, big dog in the industry. And I went to see him and he was super nice. He took a look at my work and I showed him this one project that I shot that I really, really loved. It took me a long time. It was a long-term project. To, I spent a lot of money producing that project and I absolutely loved it. And he looked at it and he said, <laughs> he said, listen, I know you like this, uh, this project, but this is when I tell you that sometimes you have to kill your babies. <laughs> I just started laughing. And I, said, and I said, wow, that's like so incredibly direct um, that, and you know, hearing it like that too uh, allowed me to be much more critical of, of my own work. Um, and I just said to him, you know, you're absolutely right. And I thought about it for a few hard days and I removed it from my portfolio. It's not on my website. I kind of let go of it. Now it doesn't mean that I never, you know, I never think about it or I didn't enjoy the experience wow. of doing that, but maybe it just wasn't good enough and that's okay. That's how you grow. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just took a, I took a class. One, one of the, I mean, one of the pluses of the COVID thing is a lot of really great photographers who teach, work, teach workshops, are doing yeah. them online now, which makes them more accessible. And I took one from um, on portraiture, on uh, photographing people from Harvey Stein, who also happens to be a, a street photographer. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to show our work. And there was six or eight of us in the class, and he's is very good, very good at evaluating, tough love, and. And uh, it kind of hurt, but oh, yeah. it really helped. I'm so much more critical of my own work than I used to be. And uh, yeah, sometimes you just need to get kicked in the butt, you know. Yeah, it just has to happen. Yeah, and then on the flip side, I was doing a uh, I was doing a Zoom call. This is a year and a half or so ago with a, a photojournalist, mm-hmm. and he says, "Show me some of your stuff." So I pull him up, and I'm just flipping through. And there's one, like, I ah, don't look at this, it's crap. And he goes, stop right there on this one photo I took in Cuba. And I didn't, uh, you know, it never got past my, you know, 
never got past uh, Lightroom. And he goes, look at that. And then, and as a matter of fact, I had a series from that. And he had me step through them. And he goes, this is what I like about this, this and this and that. And I said, geez, you know, I would have thrown that one away. Yeah. You know, because it works on the other side too. It totally does. And that's, yeah. that's a big part. You know, I always tell people, you know, you can be a great photographer, but if you make the wrong decision in the editing process, uh, you can be in trouble. Because you can be a great shooter, but if you don't know what works and what doesn't, nobody will end up seeing your best work. So yeah. that's definitely something that is, when it comes to workshops, uh, that's something that is extremely valuable, I feel, in the field of photography. Uh, you know, a lot of beginning photographers always focus on the shooting, but the editing part, yeah, you know, trimming the fat is just, A, very difficult, and B, such an incredible skill. And um, I, I was able to remember the, you know, the, the position of that person. He was the editor in charge of uh, Reuters, North America. Oh. So, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And they're situated in Toronto, which was a surprise to me. But yeah, he told me, listen, forget about it. And I said, thank you so much. You're incredible. And, and that was it. Um, and it teach, yeah, it definitely teaches you a lot. And you, you really, you grow from it. But you also, not only did you grow, you grow fast from it, you know, almost immediately. Yeah. That's uh, one thing about being a photojournalist is they're critiqued constantly. Yep. And they grow fast. And yeah. most of the and, ones I know and, are really, really good. And remember, they're not only critiqued based on their photographic techniques. They're also critiqued on the kind of message that, their photographs. Oh, exactly. So that's another, another layer that can, can um, ch change the way you think about so many things in photography, composition. And, you know, specifically if we're speaking about composition, something that I always tell people that they don't consider, um, what about everything you'd leave out of the frame? It's yeah. not always about everything that you have inside the frame. What kind of decisions did you make? to leave something out of the frame and is that smart? Was that a smart decision or not? Um, so that's another thing, specifically with photojournalism, you're delivering a message and it's, it's tough. It's really tough. It's so political. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. My son was a photojournalist. Oh yeah. He got out of, he's trained as a photojournalist, really talented. He's extremely talented. Does he still do it? No, he, he did it for well, he did it for a year, and then that's back when newspapers were really cutting back. Got laid off. Oh yeah, and moved to Texas where his girlfriend lives, and he got a job running a studio. Oh, nice for a company that publishes catalogs, uh, sporting goods catalogs. So <laughs> he became a studio photographer. Yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh, actually, he loved it. Uh, he, he had the whole place to himself. Yeah, he, that's great. Yeah, and then he took on a long-term project for a jewelry company these people that sold high-end jewelry that cost thousands and thousands of dollars and he photographed so he got really good at photographing shiny stuff yeah which is exactly the opposite you know is really hard but you know it's funny because a lot of people think like to think about studio photography in a very sterile type of way but you know if you are a storyteller you can really bring that into so many yeah areas of photography that are not very traditionally like that. And that can be an advantage for you if you, if you know how to do it well. 
Yes. Storytelling is everything, really. Yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. Hey, let me ask you about something else. I am looking at your Instagram. I know you have a lot of, looks like a, a new, maybe not a project, but you have a lot of portraits on there. Yeah, yeah. Some people without shirts on. Some people without shirts on. Oh, man. <laughs> what kind of, uh, which account are you looking at? <laughs> I'm just, um, let's see. What are, we, what are you looking at here? Shlomi Amiga photo. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe, they, yeah. maybe this is an older one. I, I'm seeing th- things from November, and it, it doesn't have to be this year, I guess. Oh, are you talking about uh, the project, the 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 back where the background is kind of burgundy red? Yeah. Oh, let me. You want you want me to tell you about this project? It's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. So this is a project that I worked on a few years ago, um, and a lot of my work is really process driven. Uh, when I when I when I work on a, a project or some kind of conceptual idea. Uh, I really enjoy process and uh, some, some of my projects that I work on are, they can be 90% process driven and the visuals are almost just a record of, of the process itself. So I guess what I'm trying to say, the way it relates to this project is that this is a series that I shot and uh, that was focused on the value of the human body. And that was the general concept that I started oh, with. Okay. And what I did here, I worked specifically focused on this, the photographer-subject relationship. So I went on this website and mm. I found these models and I posed the same question to all of them looking for a model. And I said, what would it cost? What's your rate for an hour or whatever, t- however much it was? What, what was your rate for one hour of shooting nudes? And they all gave me different answers. And that for me was, I, I used that as almost like a database to conduct a research behind the scenes. Uh-huh. Um, and then I started asking them different questions about why they decided to price themselves like that. So the concept really was to start a conversation about the human body and how we value our human body. Uh, and the interesting part about this project is that these models did not know about this concept until the shoot was finished. And that oh, was really that was part of the agreement. They were supposed to come in. They, well, they came in, whoever came in and I, you know, it ranged from people that I didn't pay because they wanted to collaborate and to people that I paid $250 for, for mm-hmm. a few minutes of shooting. Um, and only after that we finished the shoots, I told them about the concept and them not knowing about that created a lot of neutrality in the images and a confusion as well. So they did, as models coming in for a shoot, they didn't know exactly what to do, but that was part of the concept. I didn't want them to put their model face on and and uh-huh. do that kind of dance with me as a photographer. I wanted to just like work with that concept, focus on the, on the process and have the visuals as a documentation or record of the work, of the work behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh. So that's, yeah, I like to... I like to, you know, work in, in, in ways like that where I create a conversation. It's much more conceptual sometimes, and it's a bit bigger than just, like, photos of people. Yeah, so how do you I – mean, models models are probably a little easier to work with because they're used to it. That's what they do. I mean, so when you're, when you're photographing somebody – we've got an article appearing in our – our December issue, which comes out tomorrow, which will be 
couple of days before people actually hear this, mm-hmm. uh, about street portraiture. Yeah. Approaching people, what to do it on the street. And the most important thing is to be able to connect with them quickly. Yes. Yeah. And you, as a professional photographer, you have to connect with complete strangers pretty quickly. Yeah. And if you want to. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again? If you want to, if you choose to, yeah. Yeah, if you choose to. It seems yeah. to me probably some of the best portraits are people you've actually connected with yeah maybe maybe i'm i'm dreaming about that but no no it's true so, that's that's the way it works I mean, so how do you how do you do that what, what do you do specifically on the street no no not so much on this on the street i mean people are people whether they're on the street or they're oh in just studio. in general oh yeah okay so you know for me it's all about portraits you know it's all about the connection obviously if you give two photographers cameras and ask them to photograph the same person under the same conditions, they'll yeah. get completely different images. Uh, but for me, it's really spending quality time and showing genuine interest in the person. So if you gave me 10 minutes to photograph somebody, I will most likely spend about eight minutes of just communicating, showing interest in who they are, um, trying to break some of the barriers we have as complete strangers Mm-hmm. And when it comes to technical shooting portraits, you know, I rather spend the larger chunk of time making that connection and a very short amount of time shooting because shooting is quick. You know what you're doing. You have a vision. You know your light. You know your settings. You know what works. You know what doesn't. But that extra layer of that, that subject giving you something that is just, it's not just a blank look is it takes the portrait from from like you know just being like a standard like snapshot to like a driver's license <laughs> yeah absolutely right so it's uh so for me it's spending the majority of time and the bulk of that whatever situation just trying to connect with the person i'll ask them who they are what they like what kind of music they like to listen to and obviously as you get into a conversation you can you can relate to them in some ways and just you, you just you know chat to them so you guys can open up to each other and that that's that's where it happens yeah so you're not just staring at them with this clinical look sweating know. sweating <laughs> trying to figure out my aperture that's yeah, yeah well that's, you're not going to do that but no 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 because you know, it's uncomfortable enough to be a subject yeah and and you know the funny thing is a lot of people will come to my studio and and they expect to just like come in and sit down yeah. And they come in and, you know, and I'll be like, how's it going? And, you know, I'll sit on the couch and we'll have a conversation for a few minutes. And there's so much value in that because when you get them in front of the camera, by that point, they are just so much more comfortable. Maybe you talked about a mutual friend that you have or a mutual connection or a mutual passion or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Once you start, once you start relating to each other, that relationship just starts evolving and immediately they're not strangers anymore. Um, so I really build my portraiture work on that, on connection with the subject. Um, but I also know it's not easy. The people skills is something that doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. Um, but for me, is this is, that's my shtick for sure. So what about on the street with really, really strangers? Yeah. Do, you, do you do much uh, street portraiture where you're actually collaborating with the people, making a connection with them? Yeah, sometimes I do. You know, it's I, I try to keep it organic and loose. I, I don't go out on specific days and say, I'm going to do street portraits. Mm-hmm. For me, it's photographing, doing, you know, doing street photography. And every once in a while, somebody will say something 
or somebody will show interest in what I do, or maybe mm-hmm. there is there is eye contact. When those situations come up, uh, I might approach a person and say, hey, I just got a really cool photo of you. Uh, if you give me your email, I can share it with you. You know, sometimes it works. Other times it doesn't work. People don't yeah. like that. And I completely yeah. respect that. You're stalking um, me. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's really a fine line that we walk as street photographers. But if the opportunity arises and I see that there's some kind of spark of interest from the person in front of the camera, um, I'll just approach them and say, hey, can I, can I take a quick photo of you? And so many times I've been rejected, which is you got you to gotta learn to live with that. Yeah. But other times people would say, yeah. And then from that point on, again, we're talking about that snowball of connecting to somebody. Uh, so you won't find me just photographing somebody and like saying thank you and leaving because I'm not really interested in that. If I chose to photograph somebody, it means that I am actually interested in that person, mm-hmm. and not only in a photographic way, but on a personal level too. So I'll take a picture of them. I'll ask them a few questions. We'll start chatting. What are you doing here? What are you up to? Where are you from? And that will slowly evolve into uh, probably another small set of portraits after I chatted to them huh. that are usually a bit more successful. Um, so the camera is a tool initially to bring everything together, start a conversation, make a connection, and then you come back to the camera. For me, at least, that's that's how I would choose to do that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Just leave it at your side. Yeah, so but I let that happen organically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if you are interested in, in them, then it, you know, then they know it. Yeah, and there's mutual interest. Everybody's like kind of like having having some fun. So it's it's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about this today. It's it's timely. Oh yeah, yeah. I love doing stuff like that. It's I, every time I come back from shooting and I got to meet somebody, a stranger on the street. And just like share, like exchange some kind of conversation. I just, I just immediately makes me feel like a better person. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, what are you doing right now? You have any uh, personal photo projects you're working on now? I know your, you know, your YouTube channel is pretty. Uh, kind yeah, of pretty that's busy. keeping. Yeah, it's keeping me busy um, right now. I'm trying to work on. Uh, I'm thinking about working on a new project. Um, at the studio, uh, I have a notebook that I, that I scribble ideas in. Yeah. Um, um, it's not so much a notebook. It's more of a paper on my desk. Yeah. Well, but, uh, at least you're yeah. recording it someplace. Right. I'll write something down, but what was the, my last idea um, was actually, obviously I think uh, COVID related. Oh yeah. I had this funky idea of, of working with mannequins when we started the recent lockdown in Toronto because uh-huh. you can't be close to people. So I had this really random, strange idea of doing work with mannequins and sort of superimposing them, turning them into your friends in a way because you can be <laughs> close to them, but you can't. So it's just a lot of like crazy ideas that come and go. But it, right now I'm not actually, my project right now is really uh, pumping those um, YouTube videos out and just, uh, just sharing that stuff. Um, but it comes and goes for sure. I always have my camera on me, so when something comes up on the street, that's that's an ongoing, everlasting project. Yeah, that's it never ends. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, I I need to ask you too. What are you doing at the university? 
with the University of Toronto. The university? Is this the University of Toronto? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a building in the University of Toronto called Hard House. And I've been teaching there for about, uh, I think, six or seven years. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's evening classes. So it's creative classes, uh, not for credit, but it's basically for university students and, and, and whoever, actually. It's open to the public. But um, it's, um, it's basic photography stuff, introduction to digital photography. I teach portraiture there. I, uh, I recently started, um, created a class for them that is a smartphone photography class. Um, so it's, mm. it kind of changes from period to period, but it's, it's mainly all just photo stuff. Um, but yeah, it's fun. You know, it's all on Zoom now. But when it was back in class, um, it's, it's really great to see because those people are there not because they have to get the credit for it. They actually have a uh, genuine interest in, in the subject. Um, and it's been, it's been really great. I, I love teaching. It's, uh, it's so, so because, because you're teaching on Zoom now, are you finding you're getting students from outside the Toronto area, maybe even out, outside the country? That's such a great question, Bob, because surprisingly, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because now those classes are just accessible from anywhere yeah. in the world. Uh, anybody can sign up, but for some reason, no, it's just all still local people. So I think I also need to do a better job, um, you know, networking and promoting these classes yeah. to, to, to everybody. Um, but yeah, those classes are, exi- you know, they exist online and they're good and they're affordable. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like the one I took with Harvey Stein. I mean, he teaches for ICP in New York City. Yeah. I would never have an opportunity to take a course there but i took this one yeah. he promoted it to a list that he's got you know photographers around the world and we had oh, yeah. i think there was only one person from new york city there everybody else was scattered all over the u.s and right. canada yeah but you know the icp with their amount of like their the size of their network yeah and the way they can circulate stuff like that is I think it's a bit easier uh, have you been to the new to the newish icp in new york city no i've never been to any of them Oh, so yeah. So there was an old one. I think it was on 6th Avenue or something like that. Yeah. And then they moved it to um, uh, the Chinatown area. Oh, they moved down there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I love the old ICP. Every time I go to the new one, I I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't sit it doesn't sit with me that new location for some reason. Man, you get around. I try. I love I love traveling, but. Um, yeah. Now, all, can you, can you even co- come to the U.S. now? Here. I think I think Canadians can travel, but then you get into the whole like yeah. isolation thing and like yeah. isolate for two weeks or like it's it's. Silly. I hear I hear you don't want us up there, and I can't blame you. It's not me specifically, but I think that <laughs> no. I think that the approach here is uh, is a little bit like that. Yeah. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> I like you a lot, but you know. Just, uh, just stay where you are for the time. We're trying to keep things under control here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to come. You got to come down to Virginia. Yeah. The next opportunity I have, you know, I had, I actually had um, a few trips planned um, last this year um, to the states. I was supposed to be in Utah, Seattle, but you know, everything just got shut down. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, you know. Life. What are you gonna do? Yeah, nothing. What are you gonna do? You're just gonna you're just gonna move forward. So you know. 
right. Well, Shlomi, hey, well, thanks. Before we go, tell us where, first of all, t- tell us where people can find your, your YouTube channel. Yeah, so uh, my YouTube channel is called Nerding Out on Photography. Um, I call it Noop. I thought it was pretty catchy. <laughs> Um, and you can just find it on YouTube type nerding out on photography. The, the, um, channel icon is purple, so you can recognize it, uh, easily. Purple. Uh, and yeah, my website is www.shlomiamiga.com. You can find some of my commercial work there as well as my street photography, uh, on Instagram. You can find me at shlomiamiga photo for commercial work and call me shlomi for my street photography work there is list goes on i won't bore you with that bob but there are a lot okay. of platforms and yeah you share what you have to share in the details and you know no, i will really people say hello i'm you know i'm always down to um to make new connections so feel free to reach out say hello share a picture and uh, yeah it's uh, it's great all right well thanks shlomi Appreciate thanks bob it. i i love uh, i love uh, chatting to you so you know Yeah, same here. We'll see you next time, I guess. 